Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, last time on the podcast, April, Finn and Joe had a late night visitor. It was Loretta and she was asking for help. So we're going to pick up the story there with Chapter 13, Something Serious. Here we go. Loretta led the way across the pesky kid's garden, through a hole in the fence, which looked like it had been made recently with a chainsaw, and into her own garden. You'd better whisper from now on, said Loretta, as they pushed through a dense thicket of bushes. Why, asked Finn, this is your garden, isn't it? Of course, silly, said Loretta, but Mummy and Daddy are paranoid about burglars, so they're likely to shoot first and ask questions later. They've got guns, asked Joe. Oh, no. They would get in trouble with the medical practitioner's board if they shot someone with a gun, said Loretta. Joe looked relieved. They've got tranquilizer darts, she added, and capsicum spray, the type you get in Mexico that I'm pretty sure isn't legal here. Eventually, they emerged onto a lawn and saw Loretta's actual home. It was magnificent. It looked like an architect had been given a great deal of money to come up with a dwelling that would be appropriate for a settlement on Mars. There were very few right angles, just lots of domes and curved glass walls, not the type of thing you'd expect to see when you push through a vandalised fence and a hedge in a small country town. Cutting people open must pay well, commented April. It's rude to talk about how much money people earn, chided Joe. Oh, it's no secret, said Loretta. Mummy and Daddy are loaded. Doctors get paid squillions. Then they invest that and get squillions more. In fact, some of their investments were a little shady, which is why they had to spend so much on the house. A couple of years ago, the tax department was targeting coronary surgeons with offshore bank accounts, so they needed to get rid of a lot of cash quickly. Loretta led the way along the side of the house. The pesky kids assumed they were headed to the front door, but Loretta stopped suddenly next to the wall. This way, she said, as she grabbed hold of a drainpipe, then, with surprising agility, scrambled quickly up it to an open window on the second floor. The other three stood and stared. April was the first to respond. OK, she said with a shrug. Then she shoved Pumpkin inside her jumper and scrambled up herself, grabbing the lintel and vaulting into the room. Joe held the downpipe and gave it a quick shake. It was PVC. He wasn't confident it would take his greater weight. You first, he indicated to Finn. Finn gaped. He was not athletic or agile, and he had very little upper body or grip strength. He silently begged his brother with his eyes to forbid him to do this. But Joe was not fluent in silent eye language, particularly when it was dark and he couldn't really see the eyes that were appealing to him. Finn swallowed hard, grabbed the drainpipe, and tried to shinny up the same way April and Loretta had. After a flurry of exhausting activity, he stopped to rest. He looked down to see that he was only two feet off the ground. At this point, Joe took pity on his brother. He put his hand firmly on Finn's butt and pushed him up as high as he could reach. 
Finn was then able to stretch across and grab the windowsill. From there, he scrambled inelegantly inside. Couldn't you just let me in through the f- front door? Joe asked Loretta. Oh no, said Loretta. Mummy and Daddy wouldn't like that. They don't like me having friends over, particularly late at night, and particularly not boys. They're very judgmental about boys. Joe weighed up the pros and cons of being caught by two tranquilizer gun-wielding surgeons in their daughter's bedroom. It didn't seem worth the risk. Up in the bedroom, Pumpkin barked loudly. There were responding barks from not very far away, but these barks sounded like they came from much bigger dogs. I wouldn't stand there, though, said Loretta. The Dobermans have just woken up, and they're trained to bite intruders. The barks were getting louder. Joe could hear the dogs running through the bushes. Suddenly, two hounds burst out on the other side of the lawn. They didn't look like regular dogs. They looked like wild beasts of prey, ruthlessly running down their dinner in the wild jungle. Joe did not hesitate. Adrenaline surged through his body. He jumped and grabbed the windowsill, pulling himself up. He was soon sprawled upside down on the floor of Loretta's bedroom. Well done, said Loretta. Joe looked about. Loretta's room was amazing. Everything was either white or pink, and he had never seen so many unicorns in his life. There were stuffed unicorns, paintings of unicorns, model unicorns hanging from the ceiling, a unicorn bedspread, and unicorn-patterned curtains. You like unicorns, huh? said Joe, trying to be polite, when really he was shocked. He knew stereotypically girls were meant to like pink fluffy unicorns, but growing up with April, he'd never actually witnessed this level of unicorn worship through interior decoration before. Oh no, Loretta said, chuckling. They're very silly. But Daddy likes to think I like unicorns, and I like to keep Daddy happy. It makes him less observant of my other interests. Like housebreaking, said Finn. Loretta laughed again. Oh no, that's the least of it. Blah, 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 said April rudely. You've dragged us all over here on a school night when we should be asleep. So how about you get on with it? What's your problem? Loretta grew sombre. There's been a murder. The other three stared at her. Murder was obviously very serious, but Loretta didn't look devastated, which was confusing for them. Did you do it? asked April. Of course not, said Loretta. Who's dead? asked Joe. He was the one with closest to normal human emotions, and he was very concerned by the turn of the conversation. Mr Bottomley, said Loretta. Is that a teacher at your school? asked April. She didn't know anyone other than teachers who still had to be referred to as Mr. Oh no, Mr. Bottomley means much more to me than that, said Loretta. Her eyes began to water and she bit her lip. He's my grandfather, Hina Portentosa. Your what? asked Joe. My Madagascan hissing cockroach, said Loretta. Come and see. She led them over to two large doors in the far wall of the room. The pesky kids assumed it was a walk-in wardrobe, but when Loretta threw open the doors, they were in for a shock. Clothes only took up a fraction of the space. The rest of the wardrobe looked like an evil villain's lair. There were monitors showing live feeds from security cameras, a whole chemistry setup where a strange green liquid was bubbling away, and a pegboard on which hung a wide variety of power tools and even a couple of things that looked like weapons. Cool, said April as she reached for a slingshot. Mr. Bottomley lives over here, said Loretta. In one corner of the wardrobe, there were three aquariums. One was full of water and contained fish. Is that a piranha? asked Finn, looking at the unusually large teeth on the fish. Oh, not at all, said Loretta, with a wink. It's illegal to keep piranha in this country.
In another aquarium, there was an enormous black snake coiled up in the bottom corner. But the third aquarium appeared to be empty. There were only a few rocks and plants. What are we looking at? asked Finn. Loretta just pointed. Under the leaves, there was a large brown shiny lump. At first glance, Finn had assumed it was a rock, but it wasn't. That's a cockroach, exclaimed April. It's huge, said Joe. It was 20 times larger than Finn and April's cockroach. They're bred as pets, said Loretta. They're very affectionate, and they hiss in the most charming manner. Are you sure it's dead, asked Finn. I've heard about cockroaches being frozen in snow, then waking up when the snow thaws as if nothing happened. It's 21 degrees in the tank, said Loretta, pointing to a thermometer stuck to the side of the aquarium. How could he have frozen? He could be stunned, said Joe. Cockroaches are covered in chitin, said Loretta. In terms of surface area to volume ratio, they're better protected than an armoured personnel carrier. What on earth could stun him? It definitely looks dead to me, said April, tapping the side of the clear glass. Lying on its back with its legs in the air is a pretty compelling set of symptoms. Perhaps he died of old age, said Finn. Don't be ridiculous, said Loretta. Madagascan hissing cockroaches live up to five years in captivity. Mr Bottomley was only four months old, and he was in perfect health when we bought him two weeks ago. I have a certificate proving that from the breeder, and an independent vet who checked him. What about natural causes, said Finn? Perhaps he picked up a disease. How could he pick up a disease, asked Loretta. Cockroaches spread disease. They don't catch them themselves. Besides, he's the only Madagascan hissing cockroach in a 500-kilometre radius. There are no other cockroaches of his species that he could catch a disease from. So you suspect foul play. April leaned in to get a closer look at Mr Bottomley. Pumpkin leaned in as well, but he was thinking more about whether the brown, shiny lump would taste good. Could it have been your parents, asked Finn. If our dad found a cockroach in an aquarium, I'm pretty sure he'd kill it. Daddy ordered the cockroach for me, said Loretta. Given how much he paid for Mr Bottomley, it'd be very silly if he murdered him two weeks later. And your mother, asked Finn. She's a surgeon, said Loretta, as if that explained everything. So what, asked April. Do you think because she's a medical professional that she's too rational to kill a cockroach? No, said Loretta. I'm saying if she had any murderous impulses, I'm sure she'd take it out on her human patients first. Well, what was the murder weapon, asked April, changing the subject. Finn snorted a laugh. You've been playing too much Cluedo. Do you think it was Professor Dumbledore in the conservatory with a candlestick? April opened the lid of the small aquarium, peered inside, then sniffed. (laughs) Bug spray. Loretta gasped and clutched her chest. Finn patted her shoulder. He wanted to put his arm around her, but he didn't want her to think he was taking advantage of her grief. At least it would have been quick, he said reassuringly. Quick, exclaimed Loretta. Have you ever seen a cockroach killed with bug spray? The poor things flail about for ages. Even after they've collapsed on their backs, their little legs flinch and shudder for an eternity. Spraying a cockroach in an aquarium isn't very sporting either, said April. It doesn't have any chance to escape. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Only more sensible, because if you actually shot a fish in a barrel, you'd probably shoot a hole in the barrel as well, and then you'd get your feet wet. So not only did someone kill my beloved pet and potential champion, said Loretta, they broke into my home to do it. Yeah, they probably broke into your house while you were out breaking into other people's houses, said Finn. Loretta glared at him. The fact that it is ironic does not make it any less painful. 
Finn blushed. But who would want to do something so... So, said Joe. Cruel, said Loretta. No, so, began Joe. Vicious, asked Finn. No, I was going to say so... So weird, said Joe. A competitor, said Loretta coldly. Cockroach racing is a serious business. Lots of people would want to bump off Mr Bottomley. They might want to, but who'd break into a house to do it, asked Finn. Anyone, said Loretta. This town may seem nice and friendly, but let me tell you, once a year they all go cockroach crazy and lose their minds. You're going to have to narrow down the list of suspects, said April. Is there anyone in particular who might have it in for your cockroach? Well, Matilda Voss Nevers was very cross with me after last year's race, said Loretta. You know her, asked Finn. Oh, yes, said Loretta. We were both in the same heat last year. She was angry because my cockroach was much faster than hers, especially after it bit her cockroach's leg off. She's definitely crazy enough to pull off a stunt like this, said April. Anyone else, asked Finn. It could be one of the competitors from last year's final, said Loretta. Why? What happened last year, asked Finn. I didn't break any rules, said Loretta, defensively. The accusations of cheating were totally unfair. What did you do, asked April. Loretta looked only the tiniest bit shamefaced when she confessed, I used a hairdryer. But cockroaches don't have hair, snapped April. She was confused now, which always made her angry. No, but they are highly sensitive to every small disturbance in the air, explained Loretta. That's how they detect approaching threats. So if there is even a tiny movement in the atmosphere, they'll react with lightning-fast reflexes. Hence the hairdryer, said Finn. Yes, said Loretta. You see, it's in the rules that you can't touch your cockroach once the race begins. But there was nothing to say you couldn't blow your cockroach in the rear with a thousand watt cordless hairdryer. So you won, said Joe. No, said Loretta sadly. People got surprisingly upset. There was a riot. Several cockroaches were lost and the race was abandoned. So that's why everyone in town hates you, said April. Apart from your personality, of course. Yes, I'm afraid people in Currawong don't embrace imagination in sportsmanship, said Loretta. You mean cheating, said April. I prefer to think of it as competitive innovation, said Loretta. April fake coughed. (coughs) Cheating. So Mr Bottomsley's killer could be anyone in town, said Joe. That's why I need you to help me, said Loretta, turning to April and Finn with a disarming smile. You're new and no one likes you. Hey, how did you know that? asked Finn. Intuition, said Loretta kindly. No one will mind if you ask some questions. Why don't you investigate yourself? asked April. The races are in five days and there are 8,000 suspects, said Loretta. I may be stunningly beautiful and staggeringly intelligent, but even I need help with a problem of this magnitude. We'll help you, said Finn, in his deep voice again. We will, said April. It was not in her nature to be agreeable. It's only neighbourly, said Finn. You've never wanted to be neighbourly before, said April. When we lived in the city, we had elderly neighbours who would have loved help occasionally, and you never offered. I've grown as a person, said Finn. You just think she's pretty, accused April. I do not, said Finn, turning red in the face. You don't, asked Loretta. She is pretty, said Joe. That's just objectively true. I know, said Loretta with a smile. Come on, April, let's help her, said Finn. We need to get involved in some after-school activities. We might as well make cockroach murder investigation one of them. It beats violin lessons. And that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there. Until next time, 
goodbye.